Welcome. In this episode, we'll be talking about the impact of robots on the supply chain. Welcome to the Working Capitalists. How do robots impact the supply chain? Well, first, let's define what a robot is. There has been a lot of talk about robots lately. That's really actually an automation discussion around process automation. You'll hear people talk about bots and about robotic process automation. All these are are software bots. It's the chat box that comes up when you're on a website and it wants to chat with you. Those are called bots. Those are robots that are talking to you. Well, there are robots that do all kinds of things. I was working with a CFO who was having trouble with his month-end clothes. His key treasury person had gone out on maternity leave. And so he actually had to stay in the office for 24 hours straight in order to pull all of the close numbers from all of the systems around the world because everything closes at different times. He had to connect to all the different systems from the office to pull all of his data in order to close the books for the month. And those kind of repetitive tasks are perfect for what is called RPA, robotic process automation. It's the same task that needs to be done repetitively a number of times. And it has a process that you can record and have the computer do for you. And so that's one type of robot. The other robot that we're talking about is something that actually physically moves material or physically does things that people used to have to do. And I've seen these implemented in the supply chain to tremendous benefit of everyone. I think it's always a mistake to think of robotic automation as a process that takes away jobs from people, because ideally robots are doing jobs that people, number one, can't do, or number two, don't want to do. In the supply chain, how are robots impacting? All over the place, in warehouse management, in goods movement, in cleanliness. Are we going to see a need to disinfect different things in different ways than we've seen in the past? Can those processes be automated? There are a lot of questions around robotics in our supply chain that we can think about today. I think, Lane, if you go back to the RPA point just for a moment, again, lots of people think this is new because now we have this term of RPA. Yeah, but actually it's not new at all. If I give you an example, I, I remember when I started in finance in the summer of 1988, I remember I was given a job to do the monthly cash flow report for the company I was working for at the time. And the process was that I was taken over from this other guy that you literally got two meters high of green and white line flow prints of all the various accounting information that was required to put all this together. And the guy before me, he literally took it all home for the weekend with a manual calculator with a till roll on the back of it uh, and came in on the Monday morning with these big A3 sheets of paper with the cash flow report. And I must admit, it scared the hell out of me. I was like, how am I going to do that? So it ended up, I, does anybody remember Lotus 123? <laughs> I wrote a, about a thousand line macro. So we extracted the data directly from the mainframe. We had mainframes then. And it crunched all the data and it pumped out a one-page report which told my bosses all the various cash flows of the month and all the various categories and classifications. And it took about six minutes. That was back in 1988 I did that. Yeah. So when I hear people talk about this stuff, you know, we talk about robotic automation is someone stamping an invoice. And it's literally a machine that goes stamp, stamp, stamp. Sometimes it really is as basic as that. 
not criticizing it because it's all about trying to make things more efficient. But I would just make the point of it's not new. Yeah. Yeah. And it always requires a skilled operator to be able to supervise whatever that process is. You can't just simply have the RPA go off and then no one knows how it does something because on occasion they go wrong. Right. And I appreciate the new processes or the new operators, whether it be Automation Anywhere or any of their competitors. UiPath also has a good RPA platform. But the thing that I see that's improved in the last generation of this, because I agree with you, I was doing similar work in the 1990s and certainly the early 2000s. I was building applications in access that took people's work that it was taking them five or six hours to do collation, copy, paste, convert, all of those kinds of things and took five hours worth of work and you can do it in five seconds, right? With the right kind of automation. But what RPA does now is exactly what you were talking about. The need to monitor is much more structured and much more organized now. And it can use any open computer. The, the nice thing about robotic process automation is if you're running a platform, it can look for open resources on your internal network and just use that machine to speed up the process. The robot will just go, okay, this machine's available. We're going to use it in order to go and pull all this data and bring it back into the central data storage warehouse and do our analysis with it. And so it's much better use of your resources because you don't have to have a particular machine or location that's responsible for something and everything doesn't live on one machine. So if that crashes, then, oh, what do we do? You don't have to worry about that anymore because it's all much more distributed as far as the work. Also, the dashboards that these organizations have are very powerful. You can see if the robots are running, if any of them find any errors, you can set warnings to come up. If there's a process that is critical, you can have it let you know that that process is running so that you can monitor it in real time. There are all kinds of terrific tools out there to help these things be more consistent and better at actually helping the company rather than, oh no, there's a surprise in the morning. The process didn't work. Now what are we going to do? You get the information in real time and can do something about it right away. Absolutely. But you see my point about having the intelligent operator, that if when you have all these things automated, when they go well, they're fantastic. But when something does go wrong, you actually need someone who understands the guts of what's going on in order to fix it. Yeah. And unfortunately, that's one of the issues in any kind of software solution like this, because in the coding of how to build the robot and how to get it to do all of this stuff, you have to have somebody who understands enough of the programming that they can go up and read the code and know what's going on and understand the process so that they understand if that is a critical error or not, or what else might I be able to do in order to get there because that web page is gone now or that server is down. So the information isn't there, but it's in a different location so I can redirect. You have to have that knowledge on the part of the team who are managing the robots. I agree with you. But I think on the other stuff of industrial robots, again, these have been around since at least the 1970s, maybe even before, yeah? particularly in the automotive industry and some others. But uh, increasingly, I think this is going to become more and more fashionable in how to say the industries that have not been big adopters so far of robotics, simply because you know what we've seen, and we've talked about this before in terms of supply chain risk, the last 20 years has largely been gone down the route of what can we get from China because it's just so cheap. Yeah. 
And uh, because of the supply shock of recent months, we've kind of learned our lesson on that. So one route is going to be let's diversify away from China simply to spread our risk. But another is going to be, well, let's get rid of the labor potential for risk at all by simply introducing a robot. Right. And uh, you don't have to social distance a robot. Or buy at lunch. And there are all kinds of things that they can do better, faster, longer than people. And what robots are best at is the things that people are not the best at. I think I talked to you before about the Emory-Riddle student who was trying to clean beaches in California as part of a kind of environmental project she wanted to be involved in and found that picking up plastic on the beach was problematic because it would disintegrate into pieces that were too small to pick up when you were trying to clean it off the beach. And so you end up with, instead of big pieces of plastic on the beach, you end up with small pieces of plastic on the beach. But it was too hard to pick it up. And so she was a a software engineering major and went, well, why couldn't a robot more or less Roomba the beach? home and pick up because plastic is attracted to a static charge. And so couldn't you just uh, create a robot that cleans up all the plastic, all those tiny pieces of plastic that a human can't pick up? You're not taking anybody's job. You're actually taking a machine and using it to do something that a machine is good at and that a person is not good at. The uh, obvious question of why do we have plastic on the beach in the first place is a whole nother discussion. But from my point of view, just the fact that robots can do things that we can't do sometimes, and uh, that those are the tasks that make everybody's life better. And we can do things better, stronger, faster, and more flexibly in a business. A robot, once you program it to do something, it doesn't forget how to do it. It doesn't have to relearn the task because it's been three years since it's done that task. And so it's much more flexible in one way in our environment to use machine automation when we can. Well, one of the big advantages is if we had more robotic automation in factories in this particular crisis in 2020, it wouldn't have been as detrimental for many companies because instead of going from, say, three shifts a day down to one, well, you just turn the robot off. Mm -hmm. It's much simpler, far less disruptive. And in many cases, the tasks they're doing are things that in low-cost countries, we're we're asking people to do extremely repetitive tasks. Right. Robots are actually better at it than a human. Exactly. A lot of the tasks that they're doing, I remember I worked in a manufacturing facility where we were grinding titanium. And it's just very hard on people, hard on your wrists, hard on your elbows. You have to lean into a commercial grinding machine. There's a lot of risk there. And we introduced robotic automation, a robot arm that did the task. And it took time for us to learn to program the robot in order to do it the right way. But it's so much better for the people. It's better for the people because now you have an operator who understands programming, running a robot. It's a much safer job. They're not going to get repetitive motion problems. They're not going to be injured by the moving equipment. It's a much safer job that we're asking the person to do than what we were having them do in the past. I completely agree. I completely agree. And I think the industrial process in terms of what people need to do in the future is going to be more about supervising a process in operation as opposed to being physically involved in it. Right. But the understanding of the process still has to be there. I often say that computers do the wrong thing just as fast as they do the right thing. Computers are stupid in that way. If you tell it to do the wrong thing, it will do the wrong thing 
just as quickly, just as efficiently as it did the right thing. And so you have to have somebody who knows what the right thing and the wrong thing look like. And I know a lot of people are saying machine learning can take care of this for us. Uh, to some degree and within parameters, I agree that that's true. I also think if you're limiting to what a machine can learn, that that's a limiting factor still today. And that people still have the ability to put together ideas and creative solutions that machines still are not going to be capable of doing. I think we need people to understand the processes. Well, I think the best example of this for me is the game of chess, in that we have a certain number of squares, we have a certain number of pieces. Each of the pieces has defined areas of movement and ranges of movement, yeah, and so on. There's very, very set rules about what can happen in a game of chess. Now, that's something you can quite easily program a computer for. And then when we talk about an AI, what an AI can do that a human can't is run thousands of different scenarios depending on what might happen in a chess game and that's why we have these grandmasters who do this and do this very well but as we now know supercomputers can do it even better but the key thing there is there's a very defined set of rules so when we get into something else i mean take something that we do an example would be we order a thousand items of a product well why do we do that Half the time we find out, well, it's just because someone always did it that way. Oh, so we'll do it differently. Well, then how will we do it? Oh, we'll choose this parameter over that parameter. There are so many subjective things input into that, which cannot be very easily programmed. Mm -hmm. And equally, as we know in supply chain, unexpected things happen, either that demand is going up or demand is sharply going down, where if you simply rely on historic information all the time, which is what a machine will do to repeat, you'll get it wrong. You actually need to be able to intervene more quickly. And that's something that still the human oftentimes sees far more quickly than any machine will. I'm not against AI or machine learning. It's just they are limited and do a very good job on things where there are limited number of parameters. Right. And where relationship is not too much of an issue. One of the other things that you were talking about buying, sometimes we buy that thousand units because we know that we owe our supplier a favor because they have delivered sure. much more quickly than was their agreed lead time when we asked them to. And so now we're going to take it a little extra stock when it's convenient for them because we're paying them back for doing us a favor. The machine is never going to get that kind of subtlety. I agree. Uh, that's why, you know, if you've ever read uh, Isaac Asimov, yeah. The whole idea of the robot getting a soul someday, uh, that is science fiction. Yeah? And that, <laughs> that is not something that we should be expecting in the industrial world. So these things, they have their application, but the application is limited. But I think where the big change is going to happen, particularly in the next five years, is that we're going to have more and more of these deployed where we are bringing back manufacturing from low-cost countries and taking out the labor arbitrage element completely by having robots and then the labor cost element of manufacturing is going to go down severely and that will mean we probably won't be having these giant factories of yesteryear we'll have lots of potentially smaller manufacturing units which are closer to their point of demand yes i agree with that i couldn't agree more because the technology required to do robotics and to build these things out is not nearly as expensive as it used to be and as with rpa the expertise needed to build and to program them 
has gotten so much different. It's so much less. You don't have to be a genius at coding in order to program them anymore. You can just show it what you want it to do and it can do it, right? And so there's a lot of improvements that are making exactly what you're talking about possible. Absolutely. But I think also, you know, if we take the Luddite version of history, there's lots of people who are afraid of this, you know, because robots are going to take our jobs and all this kind of stuff. The path of history shows us that technology gets into our lives. It actually creates lots of jobs. You know, take your thing of the grinding machine. Someone still needed to build that robot, supervise that robot, program that robot uh, and maintain it. So it's a different job than the one before, but it's probably a better job. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And there might be fewer people at grinding machines, but there's also fewer people being injured. Like you said, the jobs have changed, changed to building yep. and maintaining, watching the data to watching the quality. All those things are still required. You have been listening to The Working Capitalists. Thank you for listening. In the next episode, we'll be asking why we didn't have more PPE from a supply chain perspective.